Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back for another Murder Monday episode. This week we're going to do the deep ocean shot. Uh, oh god, we didn't rehearse this. Uh, blue Karak. Oh no. Karako. Okay, here, I'll look it up while you tell them about it and we'll we'll interrupt with the correct okay. pronunciation. So we, we do this blue, this like deep blue, like food coloring blue drink. Kirakao. Nope. Kirako. Kirasu. Kurosao. That. You're going to do one part? From the islands. <laughs> <laughs> and then no you're... offense to people from the islands <laughs> that's just you know how you say it and then you do one part hypnotic yeah and one part coconut rum ja 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 now i will tell you that when i went to the liquor store to get all these ingredients i felt like i was in high school again yeah i felt like i was under the eagle's eye like what's she what's she doing what's she grab oh hypnotic you know she's I under am asking age. for her id <laughs> yeah it's a good fake it's a good fake you got there saying you're in your late 20s <laughs> Um, but yeah, these are actually super tasty. I was nervous. So that was part of when we were like trying, cause we wanted beautiful layered shots. That mm-hmm. was kind of what we had decided. We talked to our, our intern, Matt. He, he gave us a lot of options for some layered shots. And ultimately, ultimately we landed on this one because it, a lot of the descriptions of it said that it was one beautiful mm-hmm. and also delicious. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes things can be pretty and not that great. Yeah. Tasting. And I will let you know that we took a photo shoot before this for our Instagram, and so we've had a lot of these so far. There were a lot of mess-ups that had to be consumed, because you're not just <laughs> oh, going to pour them down the sink. Jesus Christ, these are layered shots, and for some reason, our layers were switching. I, at one point, felt like maybe this was an Australian recipe, and everything was upside <laughs> down, because it doesn't, I don't... It doesn't make sense. The science of it should work. Drea was convinced that because she had frozen the hypnotic, mm-hmm. that that was playing a part, which uh, I get where your head's at. Because mm-hmm. that deeper blue is supposed to just settle at the bottom. And like, the hypnotic is supposed to rest on the top. And then that coconut rum just I sits I kind of feel like what top. I'm looking at right now is kind of what it should be now mm-hmm. that it's like set for a little bit. But it still has this dark blue. Yeah, that should be at the bottom. Line at the top. But you know what? It all tastes the same. It tastes good. It's still pretty in a photo. Yeah. I, I, here's what I would say. We had to buy a lot of ingredients that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. We had to get the blue curacao. <laughs> curacao. I think curacao is curacao. Curacao. We, <laughs> Sorry. we had to get the blue curacao. We had to get the hypnotic. And we had to get the coconut rum. So mm-hmm. it wasn't some stuff that we already had in the bar. 45 bucks out the door. It's like weird shit that like maybe will play a part in drinks later. Mm-hmm. We'll come up with drinks just to use. We're gonna stuff. have blue drinks for the rest of the month. Get ready. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like if you're buying these ingredients, if you're making the drinks with us, this might be one that you're like, you know what? Let me meet a pal after work and order a blue ocean shot or deep blue ocean. What do you call it? Deep blue ocean. A deep blue. A deep blue ocean. Deep ocean nope, shot. Deep ocean. <laughs> And let a bartender make it out of their ingredients. Maybe they get the layers right. And mm-hmm. you can be like, damn, that was a smooth shot. I liked it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? This one, I wouldn't recommend making it at home. You're right. It's sticky. It's messy. Mm-hmm. Well, only if you dump <laughs> a shot everywhere. <laughs> there was some uh, rough times in the kitchen tonight. Uh, yeah. Soup was spilled. Shots were spilled. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you're making soup in a blender, make sure the cap is on. <laughs> 
<laughs> straight up from a sitcom. Oh, orange and blue everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and you guys, there's not much of a history to this other than it's a beautiful shot. And uh, if you do know the history, go ahead and DM us. Yeah. All right. Let's cheers before the story. Deep ocean. Here we go. See, that's so smooth. It's very smooth. I have this immediate... Do you get the same where, like, it feels like medicine for a hot second? Just a hot second. And then you're like, that's not medicine. Mm-hmm. Is it just because it's, because some medicine is boozy? Is it because... I think it's a... Kira I don't cow. know which flavor it is. It's yeah. a Kira Because it's not Dimatap, but there's like a... <laughs> I loved Dimatap as a kid. I don't know if I ever took that. The purple, purple drink. Mm-mm. Purple drink for kids. Nyquil. Oh, I didn't know NyQuil until I was, like, a senior in high school. My mom, I don't know how I did this. I convinced my mom that I needed water to drink after my NyQuil. So what I would do is pour Chasers? the NyQuil into the water cup and then so they're like, oh, I'm done. And then I'd pour it down the sink because I <laughs> fucking hated it. <laughs> well, because it tastes like death. It tastes like death. It's not. It's not okay. Tasty. Now, if I'm sick. It's a I welcome like, flavor. It just knocks you out. Mm-hmm. Go nice. to sleep. <laughs> to sleep little jackie yeah. i don't i have not been like prolonged sick in a very long time I, i've taught preschool for years so i spent the entire first year just sick as a dog uh-huh. then i became invincible <laughs> and now when i'm sick it's like i it's 24 hours i'll have like a fever i'll cook it out of my body i'll throw up and then i'm, and I'm but i'm better I the most intense not, 24 hours of it's your an life. intense 24 hours right. i've never had food poisoning knock on wood i don't oh, even know God. what that is like i had that four times I thought I was going to die. One time I was in Europe and I was on death door and like I was, I was in Zermatt, which is at the base of the Matterhorn. There's no hospitals. You have Who to get did you see, Drea? Airla- I saw, oh my God, I forgot. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm on death door. I've been naked for a good 12 hours on my bathroom floor of this hotel and I'm all alone. And so I've, I've put clothes on. I've gone downstairs. I'm trying to get food out of this little vending machine, but it doesn't take cars and I don't have cash. So I, I like hobble over to the little check-in station and lo and behold jackie is there but it's not me it's her doppelganger she has a flannel on and it's it's fucking jackie in in switzerland yeah and you give me apple juice and cookies i was so kind (laughs) you were so kind i needed you in that like deathly hour um what would be funny is if like we saw her now is she Jackie at all? Like, were you in, like, a fever dream? No, I think it was you. <laughs> <laughs> By golly, I hope she's still there. <laughs> I'm going to find you, doppelganger Jackie. Hmm, exciting stuff. Go. All right, so that was the drink in Jackie murder. Okay. So my story, uh, I went deep ocean on this one. Ooh. So I'm going to tell you about Tina Watson. Cool. Tina Watson is a 26-year-old American woman. She's from Helena, Alabama, and she died while scuba diving in Queensland, Australia. That's terrifying. No, uh, no, no, huh? no, 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 no. Was it her tank? You're going to tell me. I'm okay. going to tell you all about okay. it. So she died on October 22nd, 2003. Oh, recent. Um, she was on her honeymoon <gasps> with Gabe Watson, her husband, her oh. new husband, um, who was... Ultimately, was charged by Queensland authorities with her murder. What? They just got married. I don't understand these fools. Insurance money? It's insurance money. Okay, go ahead. So, <laughs> Christina May uh, Watson, so Tina. Okay. Christina, Tina, uh, was born West Germany on February 13th, 1977. She relocated to the U.S. while still a baby. And on January 24th, 1980, she was legally adopted by Tommy and Cindy Thomas. Got it. So they don't know what her actual birth last name is, but 
<clears throat> essentially, she was raised by her parents were Tommy and Cindy Thomas in Alabama. Um, David Gabriel Watson, known as Gabe, uh, met Tina while they were students at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. They began dating in January 2001. So she had a diagnosis of, this is harder than trying to say a Russian name, <laughs> paroxysmal supraventricle tachycardia. That wasn't that hard. Dude, that was good. Proximal supraventricle tachycardia. You went again? I think I'm Damn, close. Damn, Gina. Also known as PSVT. Okay. Um, she had taken diving. So I think Gabe is like super into diving and kind of gets her into diving. So she took a beginning diving lesson in January 2003. Okay. So same year as the year she died. Okay. She earned her certificate just before her wedding. So like the plan was they were going to scuba dive on the honeymoon. Okay. Uh, she married Gabe on October 11th, 2003. So he was, uh, supposedly a qualified, uh, certified like rescue diver. His only experience was in a lake at Oak Mountain State Park. So there's this whole, like, do we want to go on a tangent real quick about like yeah. lake divers? Yeah. So I did not know about this till Central Oregon. There are a bunch of like crazy crystal clear super deep lakes mm -hmm. that people go diving in okay. but you have to wear like a different suit because it's crazy crazy cold and you're also at altitude oh. so you're like you're at like four thousand feet oh shit. but you're underwater like it's do you take more air i don't with know you? okay but it's like different there's like dive shops here in town and that's why we have dive shops. Yeah. Oh. And they do, and like every year we do these big like river cleanups and yeah. all the like Central Oregon divers come. <laughs> Kyle did that one year, right? I think he did. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was like, that's not fucking fun at all. It's super, <laughs> super dirty in the river. Um, but anyway, so this guy learned to dive in a lake and lakes are obviously going to be very different than the open ocean. Mm -hmm. He had completed 55 dives by the time that they got married and Tina had completed five. So she's definitely a novice, yeah. and I don't know how diving works, 55. Did you say what that disease is yet? Like, what it is? Hers? Yeah. It's a heart condition. Okay, because you said the thing, and okay. Yeah, I just gave you the weird, crazy, long medical jargon. She has a heart condition. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just said that as well and avoided the whole thing. I thought maybe it was like build up to it, and I was like, I'm no. going to ask. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, well, I mean, it'll later play a role in this. So the couple had planned that they were going to go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef on their honeymoon. Uh, they flew to Sydney for a week ahead of time. Uh, they chose to go to a popular place for diving, but it's also kind of a difficult place to dive. And it's the wreck of the SS Yungala. Mm-hmm. And so they're going with, like, a tour group, right? They've got a group. They have to... Okay. So uh, the sunken ship is a passenger ship that sank in 1911. And even though Watson, so Gabe, her husband, he's got limited open ocean experience, and Tina's never dived in the open ocean before, um, and she's never gone below nine meters, so she's not really, like, she's a baby, a new petite baby at this. The dive company had also offered an orientation class, and they offered to have a guided dive with a dive master, and the couple refused. Both of them. Both of them. Okay. They were like, we got this. Mm. We're in love. You don't understand our love. <laughs> Leave <laughs> us alone. It's real romantic when I'm flailing around in the water. Correct. Yes. Okay, so at around 10.30 a.m. on October 22nd, uh, they've left the little, the uh, boat was called the Spoil Sport. 
boat names always get me. <laughs> so they've left the spoil sport. Tina loses consciousness and sinks to the bottom 30 meters or 98 feet below the water surface within two minutes of beginning the dive. Oh, so no. very early into it. So her husband, so Watson claims that the currents were stronger than they expected and that he had responded to her. So she was signaling um, to return to the dive rope. So he like looks at her face. She looks super worried. Um, and she accidentally knocks off his mask and his regulator. So when he like gets his sight back, gets everything kind of settled up. She's sinking too quickly for him to go get her. And he goes to the surface for help. Yeah. Which is not following any of the guide buddy dive procedures. What are, what are those? Don't leave your buddy or? We'll get to it. Okay. Um, he also states that he had an ear problem that prevented him from diving deeper to help her. Uh-huh. Um, it's getting real fishy. Uh, there was nothing in his training as a rescue diver, quote, about how to get somebody in trouble to the surface. Hmm. Which is straight up like what rescuing is, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah. Um, so one of the divers who's nearby, so there's other people and like, maybe they've got master divers with them, but the idea is that just those two were like in their mm-hmm. little section together. Other divers nearby. So there's this Dr. Stanley Stutz, Stutz. Uh, he saw Watson engaged in an underwater, what he calls bear hug with his quote flailing wife <gasps> after which he headed for the surface while Tina fell to the ocean floor. So. We all know that when lifeguards go to save a drowning victim, yep. the biggest, uh, what do you, what's the word I want? The, the danger, the most dangerous thing yeah. is the flailing victim. Cause they're going to fucking drown you. Yeah. So to see someone who's having issues grabbing it somewhat, like I won't necessarily call foul play yet mm-hmm. because drowning people freak the fuck out. Yeah. But that guy sees a weird like bear hug and flailing and he goes and she goes opposite directions. Then there's a diver, Gary Stempler. Um, Ooh, this one's just kind of cryptic. He had photographed Tina by accident while taking a picture of his own wife and it showed Tina in the background. Yeah. The photo showed her lying face up on the ocean (gasps) floor and they didn't realize until they got the pictures developed later. Yeah. And they were like, what the fuck? There's this dead Dead lady in our photos. Um, is her mask on? It doesn't say. Okay. So Watson, so the husband, Gabe, climbs aboard the spoil, uh, spoil sport. He alerts the dive instructor, um, Wade Singleton, who had brought who brought Tina back up to the surface after being underwater for 10 minutes. Wow. He does, uh, so he takes her to, the, to a close-by boat called the Jazz 2, where a doctor tries to resuscitate her for 40 minutes. Oh, my God. And her husband waits on the spoil sport. Why? That struck me as strange, too. I don't know if you're trying to save somebody and you're like, everybody out of the room. You know what I mean? Like, if it's yeah. like, you don't want him there. So you're like, stay hysterical. on that boat. Yeah. Or if it's, I don't know. I'd be trying to get on the yeah. other boat with my spouse who's trying to be resuscitated. I just, I don't know. And also, like, 40 minutes of CPR. That's intense. I'd also, like, I would insist upon being someone, like, a tag out. Yeah. Let me work for a little bit. Tag me out. Let you, like. Well, if you know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I geez. don't know. Yeah. Okay, so the day following her death, her autopsy is performed by Professor David Williams. He's a consultant forensic pathologist to the Queensland coroner. Um, he finds florid, I don't know what that means, florid evidence of air embolism, but no degenerative disease. So essentially he says the cause of death is drowning. Okay. And 
due to the unexpected nature of her death and the implausible and conflicting statements given by her husband, the death was investigated by the state coroner. Okay. So he's given a story that doesn't quite match with it. Like she drowned, but then like, it'll come to find out like nothing's really wrong with her equipment. Um, so this like inquiry is held. Um, Watson flies home. He goes back to the U S so he, he he declines to return to Australia, doesn't testify during the inquest. He's just kind of like, you can do whatever you want, Australia. But like, I didn't kill my wife and I'm not hanging out down there to like tell you I didn't kill my wife. Uh, prosecutors submitted evidence that his story contradicted the rector, the record of his actions stored by his dive computer. So he's got this dive computer that like monitor, like is keeping like a black box of sorts that yeah. keeps record of everything. And it doesn't match what he's saying. Um, they suggested the possibility that he turned off her air regulator, held her while she was unconscious, then turned it back on and let her sink. So they're saying what? that's what the bear hug was. The guy yeah. saw it's him like <gasps> taking her air away, holding her down, waiting till she's essentially dead no. or unconscious, turning it back on so he's not caught and letting her sink to the no. bottom of the ocean. Oh my God. Drowning Isn't is the worst. Isn't that twisted as hell? Someone that you like that you loved and you that's your, husband, your new fucking husband. honeymoon. Yeah. And he comes over and you're like, oh, he's going to help me. And nope. Yeah. Okay. So then they do a bunch of like recreations, which I don't really believe in recreations anymore after watching the staircase. Um, (laughs) Do you watch that shit? Fuck. When they do the help. Help. You can't just do recreate. No. (sighs) The whole thing's garbage. All right. Tina's father claims that the husband had asked Tina shortly before their wedding to increase her life insurance. Mm -hmm. There we go. Making him the sole beneficiary. There you go. Um, okay, so evidence is presented at the trial that included, uh, the husband's differing accounts of what had happened, the couple's diving experience or lack thereof, um, and her, like, the claims about life insurance. Um, meanwhile, while all that's going on, there's civil action taking place in Alabama. So, like a complete jag-off, he gets denied for the life insurance. They're like, um, everyone thinks you murdered her, so we're not going to pay that out. Yeah. Um, and he actually never did get it. Like, it didn't get bumped. Like, he kept asking her to do it, but she didn't do it. Okay. So there is life insurance, but it didn't, it wasn't like some big giant yeah. payout. But whatever it is, the insurance company's like, let's figure out what Australia has to say about this. Does so he have he, a debt? What's going on? Mm, I, I don't know. Okay. So now it's 2005. So like time goes on. You've got like, just takes a while with the with the court system so he's saying you guys owe me the forty five thousand dollars for accidental death i want you to pay for uh compensation for trip interruption do you know there's like trip interruption (laughs) insurance medical expenses phone calls taxi fares so he's just like i don't want to be out for my wife dying yeah which put yourself in the place of a dude who lost your wife if everything's on the up and up i i would also be still like that could very like it looks bad but it also yeah, as if it's even Steven, sure, I get it. Yeah, and you all, like your wife just died. Like, let's say you love her and you didn't kill her. Now you're in this huge like you're grieving your wife. You're in this big financial burden now. Like, yeah, I have trip and like, yeah, my trip was fucking interrupted. I need <laughs> you to pay for all this shit. So yeah. I I get it both ways. Um, he ends up dropping that case because it looks bad, and his Australian lawyers are like, stop with the stop it. Yeah, let's focus on not having you in jail. Yeah. So then, uh, and this is kind of weirdly worded. So on June 19th, 2008, the coroner laid the following charge. 
that on the 22nd day of October 2003, at the site of the historical shipwreck Yungala 48, nautical miles southeast from the port of Townsville in the state of Queensland, <laughs> what is this, David... <laughs> this is my coroner voice. <laughs> David Gabriel Watson murdered Christina May Watson. It was reported that the coroner found... In quotes, it was likely that Watson had killed his 26-year-old wife Aww. by turning off her air supply and holding her in an underwater bear hug until she was dead. Aww. However, the coroner made no such finding. There's, like, backwards. So, so like, essentially, they're like, dude did it. Okay. So his trial and sentence in Australia. Um, he's given four and a half years. It's suspended. They ultimately, like, there's a bunch of gobbledygook here that I won't get into. They're like, a year. So they want him to come back from Alabama. You have, come, you have to come back from Alabama to Australia. How are Australian jails? Are they? I don't know. I feel like they're going to be nice. Like Swedish jails. You know what I mean? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Australia started as a jail in and of itself. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they tell him, you got to come back, do a year here. A Teen- year? A year for murdering your wife. A year. Jesus Christ. And there, there's a bunch of shit in here. Essentially what they're saying is... We know you murdered your wife. We want to give you more time. We can't prove it. Everything's circumstantial. There's your story. There's these other people's story. We know you did it. But I don't think without within a reasonable doubt, I can convince people to give you life, to give you a real sentence. So we'll plead down. Will you plead guilty to manslaughter and mm. not murder? So he's like, all right, fine. Okay. So he agrees to this year jail sentence down in australia tina's family's fucking pissed yeah her daughter was in their eyes murdered yeah and he only has a year sentence so they're like appealing that they appeal it and they i think they bump it to like two and a half years okay so while all that's going on alabama's like hey bop bop yo yo we want to get that dude when you're done with him. <gasps> oh, shit. Does Alabama have death penalty? Al- Alabama has... I think they have the death penalty. I was say. Alabama goes, we want that guy when he's done serving his year because we think he plotted the murder in Alabama. Oh, Alabama? So then, so then Australia in like... I think they're like according to the UN and like laws of the world. The Australia goes, we will only give him to you if you promise he will not have the death penalty. What? And Alabama goes... You can't... Don't tell me my business, devil woman. (laughs) Devil woman. And Australia goes, look, man, if you want him, you can have him, but you got to tell us you're not going to murder him. What are they going to fucking do? Keep him forever? I mean, a lot of states do that. States that don't have the death penalty. Australia versus Alabama. Alabama agrees to it. And they go, we want him. So uh, then he's... Okay, so that's the condition. They agree to it. Uh, Oh, so he... He does some time in Alabama, I feel like. I feel like he's out. He's out. So, ultimately, Alabama ends up dropping the case because they also, there's, like, debate about whether they can prove it or not. So, Alabama wanted to throw the book at him and then ultimately couldn't. So, this judge is like, forget it. So, Tina gets buried in her native, she's buried in Alabama. Her remains were exhumed in 2007 and moved to a different lot by Watson. So, her family buried their dead daughter her husband who served some time for murdering her moves her body how can he do that after being informed by her family that flowers and gifts were repeatedly being vandalized by dis uh or disappearing from the gravesite, even when chained down 
police surveillance videos show Watson removing them with bolt cutters and throwing them in trash cans. Dude, what the fuck? Okay, if you're going to murder your fucking wife and like do it for the insurance money, just fucking disappear. What the fuck are you doing? He's fighting with her family. Oh, uh, my God. Watson, so the husband later said he removed them because they were big, gaudy plastic arrangements. He thought it was in poor taste. So her grave was unmarked until 2009 when Watson provided a foot marker, prompting her father to request that her body be returned for reburial. In 2011, the probate court removed Watson as administrator of Tina's estate and appointed her father, who also wants her school and college pictures and yearbook returned, like a sad dad. Watson has appealed against the ruling and refused to provide the court with an inventory of Tina's possessions. Pending Watson's trial, the Alabama Circuit Court ordered him to stay away from the grave. What the fuck? Um, now there's this dude. So new evidence is that this dude, Colin McKenzie, so he's a key, he's a diving expert in the original okay. Australia trial. Um, he had maintained that a diver with Watson's training should have been able to bring Tina up. Like he was a, a main component of that being like, dude fucked up. He should have been able to do it. Subsequently, he retracted much of that testimony after he was provided with Tina and Gabe's diver logs, uh, their certificates, their medical histories, to which he was not given any of that access before. Okay. So he claims that Gabe should not have been allowed in the water and was never certified, should have never been her buddy. Oh, shit. That he had no open water scuba experience, that Tina had a heart condition that had been corrected only two years prior. Um, Essentially, he's like the boat people. They are at fault for her death. (gasps) Like, like we can debate about him holding her down all this. Like he never should have been her, but I think a freak accident happened. He freaked out. I think he's a coward. He didn't know what to do. He left her to die. Yeah. But he never should have been in that position oh. is this guy's argument. Yeah. He had no hope of being competent. He could barely save himself that day, let alone his wife. Wait, so he wasn't certified? I don't believe he intended to kill her. No one checked his credentials. He just, he said he was. Where were they? They were down in Australia. I mean, I got away with that in South America, but. Right. See, so uh, they called him a da- a dangerous amateur. He 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 showed a complete lack of courage when he abandoned his wife, but ultimately, like the rescue, the diver company that they were fined sixty five hundred dollars plus another cost of fifteen hundred dollars. Um, yeah, they dismissed his case in the U.S. They did like a Dateline story on it. There's like a Lifetime movie about wow. it. So essentially, where does it land? Did he murder her? Did he not? Um, what do you think? I don't know. Because he never collected... I mean, how much was insurance money? Not a ton. And he didn't have any outstanding debts that we know about? None of that really bubbled up. And then he... And then, like, the fact that he didn't disappear after the death, that he stuck around with the, the whole grave like thing the, with the family. Like, fighting with the family seems like a... I just... Like, I knew her differently than you. I feel it like... She wouldn't have wanted these big plastic yeah. flat... Like, I don't... I don't know. Aw. I mean, if he didn't do it, that's so sad. It's so sad. And if he did do it, Jesus. All right, I'm going to tell you about uh, Robert Christian Hansen. The fact that he's got three names means he killed somebody. No, it's just, you know why they do that. You did, ex- I didn't know why, but you okay. explained that to me. So the re- yeah, so the theory is, like, if, if uh, you are a serial killer, if you have the three names... And everyone's um, like, yeah, sounds like a suit. Let's yeah, through my yeah. brain. It's because they don't want to be like Robert Hansen was found for murder. Because there's like, going to be. Robert Hansen's my neighbor. I know that guy. So they do Robert. <laughs> Minnie Mouse. <laughs> Minnie 
else knew him. And Pluto too. That was funny. Um, but Robert Christian Hansen, you know, it's less more common. Accurate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this guy. It's a fun fact. It's a fun fact. Fun murder fact. Okay. And so this guy is known as the Alaska's serial killer, okay. aka the butcher baker. What? Mm-hmm. We're back in Alaska. We're back in Alaska. Butcher Baker. Butcher Baker. Okay. All right. So but guns. Yes. Shot. Okay. Okay. Robert was born in um, Esterville, uh, Idaho, in 1939. His father was a Danish immigrant, and so once he came to the states, he became a baker. And when Robert grew up, he also became a baker. A baker's son. Mm-hmm. Hey. Son of a baker. <laughs> son of a baker. And you know that's it. The end of the story. Just kidding. No, he, he kills a bunch of people. Okay. Were you, did you plan that? Were you like super excited for that joke? I said, and then the end. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was going to sound more natural. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so... I think it did sound like if it was like if it was someone who doesn't talk to you all the time. But I could see the joy. Of, like, I know when you're enjoying something that you're doing. <laughs> okay. So, nope. <laughs> Um, he does. End. What author. a short episode, right? Yeah. Okay. So, anywho, Robert, um, as a child, is like really skinny and shy, and he has this really bad stutter, and he has this like awful acne that okay. actually permanently scars his face. So he's super self conscious about okay. that, and so he doesn't have a lot of friends. And of course, the attractive attractive girls in school are avoiding him like the plague. Yeah. And so Robert, plus start- he's, in, he's in Alaska right now or Idaho? Idaho. I imagine probably a school, a school with a small graduating class. Like, there's not yeah. huge schools in Idaho, so it's... Yeah. And so um, he starts, like, resenting all the attractive girls. And no, I starts, this is feeling... He starts fantasizing Dude's about... getting rejected. Can't uh-huh. take it. <laughs> starts fantasizing about revenge. Oh, and a quick side note. He also has an unhealthy relationship with his father. Um, the since, baker? Yeah. Because his father's super um, domineering. So he doesn't have a lot of friends and he wants to get out of his house. So he starts to get into archery and hunting. Uh, So fast forward. And in 1957, Robert enlists in the United States Army Reserve. And he serves for one year before he's being um, discharged. Dishonorably discharged? Uh, Just as discharged. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah. One year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then he worked um, as an assistant drill instructor at a police academy in uh, Pocahontas, Iowa. Pocahontas. Yeah, so this is about an hour away from where he grew up. Um, Pocahontas, this, Idaho? Uh, Iowa. He moved to Ida- Iowa. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. I'm, I'm Damn trying. it. Okay, so he's now, ignore what I just said, he's in Pocahontas, Iowa. So not an hour nope. from where he grew up. Nope. But now okay. he's in Pocahontas. Yes. I'm into the Pocahontas part. There you go. Okay, so this is where he meets a young gal, and they get married in 1961. Oh. Which is awesome. Which is like a little curveball. Good for you, fella. We didn't think he was going to get married. Yeah. Uh, but he then just he... needed to get out of his hometown. There you go. Sometimes girls just aren't into townies. They're not into townies. Um, so, but then they get a divorce within the year. Mm. Um, and this is probably due to his arrest for setting a school bus garage on fire. That's probably had something to do with it. Yeah. And because of this crime, he spends a year and a half. A school bus garage? Uh Uh-huh. Why a school bus garage? So I think I got Iowa and Idaho mixed up. Anywho, it was like kind of revenge on his like childhood. So maybe he grew up in Iowa or maybe 
Iowa is really Idaho. Yeah. Okay. Should we start? No, we'll do a corrections <laughs> corner. You've been drinking a lot of deep ocean shots. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to fault you for it. Okay. So, so he he, bull, he, he burns down the school bus garage and um, he gets a year and a half in prison for this crime. So oh. that's why his wife is like, hey, that's listen. That's more time than the guy got that they thought murdered his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Stay tuned. Okay, so six years later, he gets married again, and they move to Anchorage, Alaska. And this is where he opens his own bakery in, a, in the downtown mini mall, and he really starts coming into his own. So he's like, I'm going to start over. I'm going to move to mm-hmm. Alaska. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Get away from this arson charge. Um, and he's doing super well with his business, and everyone really likes him. And yeah, so he's starting like a fresh new life. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, so him and his wife have a couple kids and he starts taking flying lessons and he purchases his own private plane. Everybody in Alaska flies. I've never I mean, heard of a single person in Alaska who didn't fly. I think you have to. I guess. Have you been there? No, but like you can get on another person's plane. No, dude. You have to like plane or, or boat it up. Yeah, but like you got to drive. You got to be the one to drive it every time. Yeah. Get your own plane. I have a small pool of people that I know from Alaska, so I guess maybe that's part of it. <laughs> All right. So he gets his own private plane. He also gets really... So the bakery's doing well if he has his own private plane. Yeah. Okay. It's also the 70s in Alaska, so take that with sure. a grain of salt. So he also gets really into hunting again, and everyone knows him for catching, like, wolves and bears with a rifle or He's bow and arrow. He's an Alaskan. Yeah. Um, he even sets a couple, like, local hunting records, and he gets in, like, a local, um, kind of like a Guinness World Record kind of book. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, it seems like Robert has settled down, is living a normal life, until he gets arrested in 1972. For trying to abduct and rape a local woman. It was, well, it's the 70s. It's just in the air. <laughs> um, and uh, she ended up escaping. Good and at, for her. And at the same time, he raped a sex worker. Okay. Uh, but he only served six months for these events. Well, because it was a sex worker, so who cares? Mm-hmm. And the girl, the, the other woman, Escaped. got away. Yeah. So and rape is nothing. No crime, no foul. Stalking is nothing. Yeah. yeah. No. no big deal. It's the 70s. Yeah. <sighs> the prime of the crime. Okay. Grow them, grow them mutton chops. <laughs> um, and then he's arrested again for shoplifting a chainsaw in 1976. This is the second time, right? I think this is the third time. You told... Shoplifting one? Uh-huh. Because there was the one... Who was stealing. Yeah, steal. Yeah. Because then you made some weird joke about how we were going to go see if we could steal a chainsaw. <laughs> who in the right mind is trying to steal a chainsaw? This guy. Two different... Who was the other one? Okay, there was, I think it was Velma, Re- Velma West. There was a, 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 we decided it was baking them into cakes. Yeah, yeah. But then there was one where they would, like, they went to a store and stole a chainsaw. I can't remember which one that was. Well, it happened before. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's I looked impre- at It's you. impressive because they're big. <laughs> that's why I looked at you. I was like, yeah, mm, chainsaw. Okay, so he was. Con- I caught, I caught it. Mm. I caught your little tip. Gujia. Uh, so he's convicted of larceny and he was sentenced to five years in prison. Uh, but the verdict... Five years... Are you giving me these times just to make me upset? Yeah. Five years for stealing a chainsaw. Uh-huh. Six months. Six months for... Raping. Raping a sex worker and, and, and trying to... Essentially kidnapping another woman and attempting to rape her. Chainsaws in Alaska? <laughs> debatably uh, more useful in a woman, maybe? Sure. Is that, is that our argument here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> What's the men-to-women ratio? Isn't it crazy in Alaska? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's insane. I don't know what it is. Oh, my God. Um, okay, 
So he gets five years, but the verdict was overturned during an appeal because the Alaska Supreme Court thought that the sentence was too harsh. During his incarceration, he was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder and prescribed lithium to control his mood swings, Hmm. which he stopped taking once he was released. Yeah. So uh, I want to tell you a little bit more about Anchorage during the 70s. Um, Okay, so uh, during this time, it's like the big oil boom. Okay. And so tons of money was being made up there, which means other businesses are popping up, such as strippers and sex workers. Mm-hmm. And the red light district in Anchorage became super dangerous, and it's kind of like a anything-goes kind of area. It's the, it's the true, it's the final frontier. It's the Wild West. Yes. And um, the red light district up there is actually run by Seattle Mafia boss, Frank uh, Colosiero. Seattle Mafia boss? Uh-huh. Yep. Interesting. So it's run by Frank uh, uh, Colosiero. So young women were being promised huge wages for dancing in clubs um, up in this red light district. And some of the names of these clubs were Wild Cherry, Arctic Fox, Booby Trap. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Wait. And the Great Alaskan Bush Company. Oh, no. <laughs> which, that last 70s. One, which that last one is still up and running. Um, but it's in a different location. You know that tourists buy shirts like that. They, You know that that... Oh, yeah. oh my God, that's fucking funny. Um, okay, so that's kind of painting the picture of yeah. what's going on. So Robert decided... It is the time of the prime up there. It's the time of the prime. So Robert decided that he didn't want to get caught anymore for raping women. So he... <laughs> so he just, I gotta start killing them. Yeah. So he needed to start killing his victims. That... Okay... That's so common in these stories mm-hmm. where it starts with just attacking women mm-hmm. and the consequences are not severe enough or they're, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and they get off and they're I like, well, yeah. I don't want to get caught okay, again. Well, now I need to, I need to kill them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't kill them, but I got to not get caught anymore. Yeah. They you, did this. You need to take a, like, I don't know. It, it needs to be a bigger deal when you're just attacking people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so his first couple of victims actually weren't sex workers, and he raped and stabbed them to death and left them in shallow graves near town. But their bodies were found, and the police started to be on the lookout for uh, specific <laughs> suspicious behavior. Oh, suspicious. <laughs> okay, so he decided to start killing sex, sex workers since they are harder for people to file a missing persons report on. Uh, so he's picking up sex workers, and he and because of his looks, which one victim later reported that he sort of looked like the perfect dork. He huh. was he was able to get his victims to secluded areas without much because he didn't look menacing. They were just like, look at this nerdo, mm-hmm. nerd alert, nerd alert. So once in a remote area, he uh, would use a knife or gun to subdue them, and then he would handcuff them and then rape them. Ugh. If he thought they wouldn't turn him into the police, he would release them. But if he felt like they couldn't be... Just off the vibes? Mm-hmm. I think I'd be murdered. <laughs> you, you give I that think real... I'm giving off. You're not getting away with I'm the vibes. I'm yeah. squeal on you. Yeah. Jackie. I'm trying to pop the eyes like grapes. I'm being a real <laughs> asshole about it. I'm biting wieners. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm getting murdered. It's bad. Um, okay, so... Don't murder me. I don't want anyone to murder me. <laughs> okay. Well, done deal, Jackie. That's all you had to say. <laughs> yeah, hey, let me put it out there. I don't want to be murdered. In case there was a question. Um, okay, so... Uh, but if he felt like they couldn't be trusted, then he would drive them to his private plane, where he would fly them out to his cabin in the Nick River Valley area. Second location. That mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a scarier 
second location or a row or more remote second location. And I was reading that, like, I think they think, at least in North America, this is like the only known person to like take a victim in a plane. Really? Yeah. Mm hmm. Because, like, who, how many people have a like a private plane? Yeah. And who's getting in a plane, man? Are you getting in a plane? I'm not fucking, I'm biting wieners left and right. (laughs) 100%. You know, if you're, if if this scary ass dude who already raped you or tried to rape you. Oh, he's already raped him. So he already raped you. Are you compliantly getting in a. No. You're never. He has a gun and knife to your. He has a gun to your head and knife to your throat. I know. You're not going to live. You're only headed to more torture. Torture. Yeah. He murdered you and now he's asking you to get on a fucking tiny ass No, he didn't murder single... you yet. Sorry. He raped you. <laughs> it's the same shit. He raped you. <laughs> different shit. It's different shit. <laughs> he raped you and now he's asking you to get on this tiny ass little plane. Yeah. Newsflash. Nothing good happens on that plane. Okay. Well, sit tight. How many times did this happen? Sit tight. Okay, so... You also, your brain, like, you can talk... I can spit a good game, and then when you're actually terrified and you've got a bunch of, like, adrenaline pumping through your body, your actions and decisions can be very different. Yeah. I mean, case in point, when anybody tries to scare me, I cower in fear. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle it. (laughs) I'm surprised people don't try to scare you more often because you give such a reaction to being scared. This is the thing. When I'm at work, I'm in my own head. I'm talking to myself. I'm playing music. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, somebody comes out of nowhere and I go, no! And they'll be like, Christina, right right next to me. She's been next to me the whole day. And I'm yeah. like, no! Where yeah, did you, you come from? You get startled very easily. I was a cat in my other life. All right. You were a cat. Back to the murder. Yeah. Okay. So, um, he'll take them to his cabin. Mm-hmm. So, he would then... What's in this cabin? Here you we know go. this cabin's gross. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, he would then rape them again. Yeah. And torture them. Sometimes he would strip them down and open the front door of his cabin and let them run free into the wilderness. <gasps> He's a hunter. He's a crazy hunter. He would. <gasps> this is the most dangerous game. <laughs> he would let this them. This is the most dangerous game. <laughs> he would let them have a head start before he would begin to stalk them. I hate it. Until he decided he was ready to kill them with either his hunting knife or his paws. If you have not read the most dangerous game. It's an incredibly quick read. Just Google it real quick. It literally is like five pages. It is a short story. And in my opinion, one of the greatest, I think, stories. I won't even preface it by saying short. It's one of the greatest stories ever written. Yeah. I can't believe it's been made into a bunch of like shit movies and or old ass movies in Mm -hmm. the 30s. We need a current, like put a budget to it. Give me a Chris Pratt or somebody. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Actually, ooh, actually, he'd be good. Yeah. Uh, make a new Most Dangerous Game. It will, it'll smash records. It's a, it's a wonderful story. Yeah. All I right. mean, I think right now uh, in Hollywood movies, you're starting to see more true crime. Like, they're doing the Manson murders. People are in it. it. Yeah, they're starting to come out. So, you know, this podcast might get them to make that movie. I'm sure. <laughs> we are influencers. influencers. <laughs> okay, so, <clears throat> so... He would strip them down, let them run out of that house, thinking they were safe. He would then start I to... hate it. He would then start to stalk them in this wilderness. And he would... How many times did he do this? I'm, uh, he would hunt them until he was ready to kill them. And he would either use his hunting knife or his... Uh, I'm, I meant to look this up. Uh, his uh, two twenty three cal- caliber mini 14 rifle. It's like .223 caliber. Yeah, two two three. Okay. Um, 
And so in 1983, Robert decided to save time and energy by bringing his victims to his own home. You remember, he has a wife and children. Yeah. So he called this his quote unquote summer project. And he was able to do this because he bought his wife and children tickets to Europe to vacation for the summer. They think he's some great guy. Mm -hmm. I. Ooh, I want to be on this jury. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the family goes to Europe. And so uh, Robert decides to run an ad in the paper, in the local singles paper. And he he puts an ad out uh, that says, seeking women to join him in finding what's around the next bend, over the next hill. I don't like it. It's alluding to him chasing them. I don't like it. <sighs> this okay. in the 70s? Uh-huh. We're going into the 70s into the 80s. How is, how is this not... Has this been made into a movie? Uh-huh. But like a Lifetime movie? No, no, no. I'll tell you at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so on... This G- story... <laughs> Trey, you found a good one. Isn't this good? Yeah. I, I was super excited because I know you know the short story and I knew oh, you'd just yeah. be tickled by this. So I'm tickled. I'm tickled. <laughs> Consider me tickled. <laughs> okay. So on June 13th, 1983, 17-year-old Cindy Paulson escaped from Robert while he was trying to load her into his plane. Okay. So hold on. <laughs> he this Now he's like doing stuff at his house. Mm-hmm. He sends the family away. Mm-hmm. He gets the women to come to his house, but mm-hmm. he's still little planning it to... Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So she told police... Where's his house? Idaho? No, Anchorage. Oh, that's right. He moved. Yeah. He's up in Anchorage. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, there's had, Anchorage. I had a brain jump there. Okay. And then there's that valley nearby. Yeah, 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 but yeah, the yeah. only way you could get to his cabin is by a plane. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm with you. So she told police that he had offered her $200 to perform oral sex. But when she got into his car, he pulled a gun on her and drove her to his home in Muldoon. Um, There he held her captive, torturing, raping, and sexually assaulting her. She mentioned that after he chained her up by the neck to, to a post in the house's basement, Robert took a nap on a nearby couch. You don't go to a second location. Well, she's about to go to a third location. Um, okay. So when he will... I, I get that he's a hunter, so this what I'm going to say is not true in this instance. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you have a better chance of someone who has a gun, who probably isn't that skilled with a gun, of just ru- like run the fuck away mm-hmm. and make them shoot you in broad daylight, make them attempt to... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of there. But imagine you're, pro- uh, you're a sex worker. Yeah. And you just got picked up for, I know. for a gig. And he takes you to another spot, a secluded spot. All of that spot, is within your scope of work. And then he pulls a gun out at you. And it's the middle of the How night. How do you think that fucking happens where nothing happens? When someone pulls a gun on you? Or yeah. like... You're a sex worker. Okay. Like, how often do you think that happens where it's like someone pulls a gun where you're like, put the fuck... Put that away, sweetie. Do you know I'll, what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're here for business. Like, I'll do Like, I what... wonder how normal that is. I hope it's not normal, normal. I'll bet it's more normal than for non-sex workers. I don't know. If you're in that field, send us a Instagram message. We'd love to hear from you. I just, I feel like it's, it's seedy. I'd like guns get pulled at drug deals. Yeah. And nothing happens. But I imagine is, gun, guns get pulled. This is my thing. Like you are a sex worker. You, for a price, you will do what, yeah. within your standards, you Everyone will do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, like what, like, wh- I guess it's more of a power thing for the guy at that point to like point a gun at you. Cause yeah. you're going to do whatever essentially yeah. he wants within your oh, means. But there's weird yeah. dudes that are like, let me have the guns around. And you're like, all right, fine, give me my money. I don't know. 
Right. Okay, so he's flying. He she gets away. It's two hundred nope, bucks. Yet. Okay. okay, so. When he wakes up from his nap. Oh, wait. She's tied up. Yeah. He put her into his car and he takes her to Merrillfield Airport, where he told her that he intended to take her to his cabin. Cindy said that There's she... other people at this airport. There's like people waving flags. Nope. Someone puts nope. gas in your... Think about it. In the middle of the night, you have a private airplane. Fine. You don't need any of those fuckers around. You can do what you want. <sighs> you don't need... No, what was it? Was it this case? It was another case. I don't remember, but I know this for a fact. Uh, oh, was it fucking... Fuck, I can't remember. Uh, anyways, there's another case I was listening to, and he had a private plane, and he... They didn't have to fucking sign in or sign out. But yeah, but essentially the airfield was like, yeah, if it's after hours, like, we don't keep books on anybody. They're just coming and going. Like, I told you when my sister took a PJ from private jet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> PJ. <laughs> PJ. When she took a private jet from LA up to the bay uh-huh. and I was like what are you some fancy kid and she's like no like, like price wise it was not that different and she flew into this tiny ass airport like down the street from our house she goes Jackie there's no security you can do whatever you want because you're on a private jet and you're in this little tiny airport yeah you can do money man okay so back to Cindy Cindy oh is in the back of Robert's car and she's handcuffed at the backseat wrist. trunk backseat just backseat okay uh, she's handcuffed at the wrist, but in the front of her body, and she sees Robert is loading stuff into his airplane. So she decides to crawl into the front seat, mm-hmm. open the driver's door, and run the fuck out. Yeah. And so she's fucking running, and Robert sees her and panics and chases after her. And Cindy was able to flag down a passing truck. Good on you. Yeah. The driver, Robert Yont, uh, picked her up and drove her to um, the local Mush Inn. And she jumps out of the truck, and she fucking runs inside, and she calls her boyfriend. And she gets a hold of her boyfriend, and she goes to another motel to meet him. Meanwhile, the truck driver gets to work and was calls the police and was like, there's this fucking yeah. this shoveled woman on the yeah, side yeah, of the yeah. street. I think you guys should go check it out. So I think she doesn't call the police because she's underage. She's yeah. a sex worker. That's, yeah. that's what I think is going on. Uh, um, um, yeah. Okay, so police finally catch up with Cindy, and she still has the handcuffs on, and she's, you know, still freaking out, and they ask her to come down to the station, and they start questioning her, and they get a description and of the person who attacked her, and it fits Robert to a T. Okay. So they brought Robert in for questioning, but he... he's small out of town. Mm-hmm. But he obviously denies everything and said that Cindy was making it all up because he wouldn't pay her um, extortion demands, and he also said, well... You can't rape a prostitute. Yeah. Um, See where his head's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though Robert had several prior run-ins with the law, his meek demeanor and his occupation as a banker, along with a strong alibi from his friend, John Henning, kept him from being considered as a serious suspect in case, and the case went, cl- uh, went cold. Okay. So... Um, they still have, um, unsold murder, uh, murders, those yeah. bodies that was found from earlier. So they finally called the FBI and they're like, we need help. And so they send John Douglas. John Douglas. Yay. Okay, cool. So in case you don't know, he is one of the first criminal profilers. Mindhunter loosely based upon. Uh-huh. Him. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. Uh, and lectic, lector, like mm-hmm. kernels of him are all over. Are in a lot of fiction. 
So John theorized that the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem and a history of being rejected by women and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as a victim's jewelry or even body parts. John started to suspect Robert after learning about his hunting skills and his socially isolated childhood. Isn't that crazy? I love criminal profiles. I wonder how many times, like, how often... It's eerie when they're right. Mm-hmm. How often are they wrong? We're like, it's going to be like this. And they're like, well, it was actually this dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. We should look into that. Um, so finally, finally get, so police finally get search warrants for Robert's house on October 27th, 1983. And behind some wooden paneling in his trophy room, they find jewelry. More trophies. <laughs> Ugh, gross trophies. Um, they find jewelry belonging to the victims. Newspaper clippings about the murders in array in an array of firearms, including a .223 caliber Mini 14 rifle and a map of Nick River Valley with 20 hand-drawn <gasps> asterisk marks. He was arrested and days later was charged with assault, kidnapping, weapons offenses, theft, and insurance fraud. Imagine um, being his fucking wife. Mm. <laughs> and his children. All of it. All of it. So, um, ballistics tests match the crime. Like, do you think she thinks he's a weirdo, or is she, like, totally caught off guard? Mm, I think she's caught off guard. That's upsetting. <laughs> so, ballistics tests match the crime scene bullets to Robert's guns, so he entered into a plea bargain in which he pleaded guilty to the four homicides the police knew about and provided details about his other victims in return for serving his sentence in a federal yeah. prison. You gotta be like, all right. I'm old, I'm up the creek on these ones that are obvious. I can essentially trade them information on these other ones they don't know about because I can probably get, like, yard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So investigators agreed, and they took Robert in a plane to fly over the Nick Valley uh, oh, River area. Like seven. <laughs> and Robert... What's in the box? <laughs> and Robert, using the map he had drawn the 20 asterisk marks on, began pointing out all the places he had buried his victims. And they were able to recover 17 bodies. Is this a famous story that I somehow don't know anything about? This is crazy. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know about it either. This, how did you find this? Instagram. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had just picked like the episode drink yeah. and it came up on my feed. I was like, shots, shots. Perfect. Fuck, this story is crazy. All right. So 17 bodies were found and he was then sentenced to... 461 years in prison plus life you're never getting out you're never giving out so yeah between 1973 and 1983 robert hansen murdered 17 young women and raped another 30 women blah, who blah, survived blah, 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 blah. whoa robert's wife and two children tried to remain in alaska but after two years of having the children harassed at school Miss Hansen filed for divorce, and they moved to the lower 48. <sighs> so she didn't even file divorce the first time he got arrested for, like, assaulting a woman and raping another woman. Oh, yeah. And then she just fucking tried for two years and then filed for divorce. So, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, okay. Your dad. Imagine being in school. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that kind of bullying or that kind of teasing looks like where kids are making fun. You know what I mean? Because yeah. kids are not creative. No. So they're essentially like whatever they've come up with. Ugh. Yeah. 
Um, so earlier you were asking about movies. Yeah. So there's actually several movies and several like episodes for shows. Um, but the main one that I thought was kind of cool uh, is it, it's a film called The Frozen Ground, which starred Nicolas Cage. What? As an Alaska state trooper investigating the slayings, an actor. He is not who I would cast for an Alaskan. And actor John Cusack portrayed Robert. What? Uh-huh. When did this movie come out? I don't remember. <laughs> Frozen Ground? The Frozen Ground. Yeah. I'm going to guess that movie came out in 2014. 2013? <laughs> hey! Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's got 2013-14 written all over it. So oh, that wow. was your story about Robert Christian Hansen. Drea. Yeah. That is a good one in terms of like gross. Yeah. He fucking could you imagine like being taken out okay, you're you're in a plane, you're taking all of two, it is all of it's oh, horrifying. You're getting tortured and raped and then he's like, Okay, you're free. And you're like the, fucking finally and you the fucking scariness. You fucking the book scariness. it. Scariness. Uh well that's been another week's episode with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Um yeah. If you have any suggestions please contact us we love hearing from you guys and we'll see you next week boom boom thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of killer cocktails as always on our talent was jackie andrea uh be sure to check out our instagram at killer cocktails podcast or stop by our website killercocktailspodcast.com for up-to-date information photos contests and more our logo was created by michelle firm whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Use coupon code KILLERCOCKTAILS, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. (laughs) 